Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host, and I'm um, delighted to be with you again this week. Um, I had a great guest last week, C.K. Collins, and we talked about her book, um, The Swipe Right Effect. So if you didn't get a chance, check that out. She has a really uh, fascinating story, and she talks about the power of solo travel and um, offers a variety of uh, suggestions to help us to get unstuck. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about detachment and uh, the art of detachment. And I was um, I was doing a little bit of research. Sometimes I just, you know, it's a topic that I I know quite a bit about, and I just decide I'm going to talk to you about it and kind of tell you uh, the things I know about the topic and how it works in my own life. And other times I I poke around and see, you know, what other people are saying about it. And as I did the, the research on it um, this morning, I have to say, I didn't really find, I didn't really find what I was looking for in terms of how I was thinking about detachment. So I just want to say that what I'm t- going to talk to you about today is the way that I view it um, and the, the way that it can be a tool um, to help you release your past and own your present and also trust your future. So that's kind of the idea. We're going to talk about it in terms of our past, our present, and our future. So a little bit of housekeeping today. Um, I do have, I've been working on the development of a program. Um, so of course, I, I coach people on a variety of, uh, in a variety of areas. I help them with their with their work. I'm helping somebody who's starting a small business. I'm helping someone who's running a business. Um I certainly help people to achieve self-acceptance and to work through uh, patterns maybe that are bothering them, maybe with food or alcohol or other types of things. But what I really wanted to do was to put it all together and to create a program that would take a person uh, from the beginning to the end and lead them down a path of true self-discovery and self-acceptance because in self-acceptance and in love for self and in unconditional compassion for self, what it helps you to do is develop um, a deep respect for yourself and uh, a practice and a habit of putting yourself first so that when you're faced with an important decision or you're faced with that nagging feeling or voice that tells you that you really need to change something that the way that you're living or the way that you're experiencing your life or you're experiencing yourself or you're experiencing your relationships or you're experiencing money, um, all of those things are tied back to us and to the core of us. And the good news is that means that we have the power and the dominion to change them if we want to. Uh, and so that is what the Freedom Series is what it's called, and it is 12 weeks long, and it covers many of the topics that we cover here on the show, 
uh, in a way that provides information and resources and exercises um, to work through those things that are pretty sticky that might have been keeping you from moving forward. Um, perhaps you have, you know, this is so common. And so I do bring it up quite a bit. So perhaps you're struggling with food, for instance, and you've tried a variety of things or food plans or gym memberships or, you know, all the things that many of us try in order to get a handle on our food. Um, often that continues to rear its head because there's something underneath it that hasn't been addressed. So, you know, something that you might try in terms of a food plan or an exercise plan, it's not that they don't work per se. Most things work. Um, in recovery, we say it works if you work it, right? So most things do work if you work them. But if they continue to feel like something you have to manage, if they're always challenging, it can sort of sap your energy and make you feel like, man, why am I doing this if it's always going to feel so hard? And as someone who tried a great many things over decades to manage my food, and now I don't have to really try very hard at all, um, I'm able to mindfully eat and eat what tastes good to me, but also what fuels my body and not spend a whole lot of time, um, what I used to call dancing with the devil, because you can't abstain from food, right? Um, you need food in your life and um, it's important to develop a harmonious relationship with food. Because I have gotten at what was underneath that, which was ultimately a variety of forms of self-hate, and I have vanquish those and send them along. And when they do rear their heads, I see them for what they are and send them along again. I don't find myself reaching for food uh, as anesthesia. Um, I enjoy food usually, not always. Sometimes I just eat out of necessity, but often I enjoy it. Um, and what I don't enjoy is harming myself with it or eating past the point of fullness or eating something that bothers my stomach or makes me feel bad in some way. Because I care about myself now and love myself, I see food for what it is. And I see my food, the food that is for me, and the rest of it, um, it just kind of disappears. It fades because it's not my food. So just an example there of something that you know might be sticky and isn't really about changing your food. While that is an outcome, it's really about changing your relationship with yourself so that you can then change your relationship with food so that it can become uh, friendly to you and not an adversary. I know how it feels to have food as an adversary and it's a bummer. So that's actually pretty early on in um, there. Are like I said, there are 12 weeks to this program and we do get at um, our bodies and our food early on because our relationship with our, with our body, we don't want to be adversarial. We, we would like a, a friendly, supportive, harmonious relationship with our body. And then it follows that after we have worked on that a bit, that we can make better choices with our food so that our food is supporting us um, and helping us through our day, not um, harming us and making our life harder.
So I'm at a point with that program where um, I'm reaching out to people that I know and that I've known over the years just to get some input and some feedback. And um, I would love to get that from you as well. So if you're a listener of this show and somebody who works on self-love and is on that path, uh, and you would like to chat for a few minutes about the program and um, it would be of a great help to me to get your input and your reactions and your feedback. You can get to me at my website, um, giraffetangooctopus.com. I'm also on social media uh, at GTO Coaching, and you can drop me an email as well at Coach KJ. That's Coach KJ, all, all one, at giraffetangooctopus.com. Okay. So that's the housekeeping. And now I want to go into detachment. So again, we're talking about detachment as it pertains to releasing our past, owning our present and trusting our future. So let's talk about our past. Oh, our past. The past can be so powerful. And as somebody who I used to really romance the past um, and I would call myself nostalgic. I was someone who waxed nostalgic about Um, my teenage years, which were incredibly difficult. (laughs) They were also really fun because I was pretty wild, but I would wax nostalgic in a way that, you know, might not actually be all that truthful. And in a way, you know, memories are fun. um, But in a way, the past, the past is useful in some ways, but not not useful in other ways. Um, And so here's some of the things that I have have thought about and have also done myself that have helped me to move on from it and to really romance it much less and to be less nostalgic, um, which is not a bad thing. Honestly, it's freed me and lightened my load um, in a way that um, I just didn't realize was possible until I started to let go of some things. So first of all, um, we want to release our resentments and uh, I did a full hour on that, and I also uh, did a guest spot on uh, C.K. Collins' podcast, which is the same title as her book, The Swipe Bright Effect, and that airs this week. And, you know, we chose that because both of us had a history of um, infidelity and betrayal in our relationships, and that's one thing that can really ingrain a resentment and keep a person stuck. And so regardless of what your resentment or resentments are about, they can be let go. And one of the things that I was reflecting on as I was preparing to do that, that guest spot on that show is how they can be sneaky in terms of, you know, if something, uh, a resentment comes from feeling um, or experiencing a treatment that is unjust, uh, that is not right, that's not okay. Um, and so when I'm talking about releasing the resentment, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, accepting what happened to you as okay. Um, it, it most likely was not okay, but hanging on to the resentment, um, it doesn't, it doesn't help you for sure. And if you are holding the resentment against another person, uh, for their actions, again, it doesn't hurt them. It only, it only hurts you. And so releasing them is incredibly important and can be very freeing. So I would suggest working on the whoppers, um, those things that when you think about them, they bring up emotion and they bring up a narrative and you are 
pulled into that narrative before you've even known what's happened. And there you are having a conversation with the person or about the person um, or with some imagined uh, entity about what was done wrong to you. And you can feel almost, um, you can feel your body go, go back into the experience that that's what I, that's what I've experienced. I, when I get pulled into the narrative of resentment, um, let's say my body was completely fine to begin with. And then all of a sudden my blood pressure is up and I have a pit in my stomach and, um, my breathing is up in my chest and so forth. All the things that happen when you're kind of overcome with a strong emotion and nothing has actually happened, right? You were fine a moment ago. I was fine a moment ago. And there I am in the resentment, in the narrative. Um, that can tend to be the sign that it's a whopper, what I call a whopper. So um, the reason to work on the whoppers is because you have lots of material to work with. And I do go through a system to work through those in the releasing your resentments episode. So I'm not going to get into those details now because I've covered them in another show. Um, and certainly if you want some assistance, you can also uh, reach out to me and I can uh, help you with it. We can use the, you know, we always do a free session, so we can use the free session to get you started on that process. And in working through the whoppers, you will learn the system for clearing them and that will help you prevent a new resentment from forming. So when you start to feel it or you feel hurt about something or um, you're hanging on to something or you feel insulted or whatever the case is, um, you can clear that before it really forms. And so the sneakiness that I started to talk about, and then I went off on another path is that it can feel like you're sort of taking up for yourself. Like how dare this person or how dare this situation, you know, be what it was and that's wrong. And it feels as though you're kind of getting your own back because you're, you're carrying this sort of torch of indignation. Well, that <laughs> I get it. B believe me, I really get it. And it, it just eats away at your inside. So um, it's tricky because it presents as though, you know, you're maybe taking up for yourself in a, in a positive way. And in fact, um, you are being harmed. Um, so after you've released, released your resentments, you may find, uh, you may find that you're, you're actually hurting underneath. I found that I had unresolved, uh, grief and loss. And so grieve your losses. And what I want to say about that is that a loss is a loss. Um, it, it only need be a loss to you. You decide it's sort of like trauma. We've talked about this before. Something is a trauma or is traumatic because you say it is. Uh, because it was for you. And so when something is a loss, it's a loss. Nobody else has to think it's a loss. Nobody else has to acknowledge that it's a grievable loss, only you. And grief is painful, right? And so that's sometimes why we kind of reel against it or avoid it, or maybe stay in the denial stage or the bargaining stage. Um, but again, that gets us stuck. And so experiencing the pain of grief and allowing that pain to flow through you in full force. I talked about that um, over the last number of weeks as I, I grieved the end of a relationship and um, I just really let it hit me full force when it needed to. I let myself feel down when I felt down, feel depressed when I felt depressed, feel angry when I felt angry. 
And over a relatively short period of time, it flowed through me and began to resolve. So grieve your losses. And in doing so, you may find in releasing the resentments and in grieving your losses, you may find that there is forgiveness that is necessary. And honestly, I'm just going to, this is not the party line, but I don't really care whether you forgive anyone else ever. I really don't. Because if you have released your resentments, kind of within there, um, you've let go of whatever it is that you are refeeling. And so thinking that you need to jump to forgiveness in order to get out of that uncomfortable narrative, perhaps that works for you. For some people that works. Um, it didn't work so well for me. I tried it in a variety of ways. And so for me, the process of releasing the resentment worked much better for me. And when it was a whopper and when there was just some treatment that was honestly to me unforgivable, I detached. Uh, so this is about this, this episode is about detachment. Um, I detached from the person. And I detached from the way that I was treated. I just separated myself from it. I no longer um, kind of believed that it was about me, um, nor did I believe that I needed to carry any more pain or grief over it. And ultimately, I found that there was some part that I played that I needed to forgive myself for. And once I had done that, Um, I felt much, much lighter. It's forgiving yourself is the surest way to lighten your load. And sometimes what naturally happens because forgiving yourself is an act of compassion, um, ultimately, and an act of love, sometimes you naturally feel forgiveness for the other person. Um, So it comes to you like a little gift um, that you don't necessarily have to really work for because there it is. It's come from the way that you treat yourself versus focusing on um, thoughts about treatment of or forgiveness for another person. Um, in addition, what I the other thing that I did as I was releasing my past was that I was open to um, finding the meaning in things or experiencing the meaning in things. And sometimes it's just a matter of kind of asking yourself some questions. How did that thing, uh, that person, that experience, that thing, how did it change you? And most particularly, how did it change you in a way? um, I'm going to avoid saying something. Okay. I'm going to say it, even though uh, what I want to do is really avoid it. I'm going to avoid saying, how did it change me for the better? And that's only because I really um, believe that when we remove those types of evaluations from ourselves, um, it can be very freeing. So how did it change me? Not necessarily for the better, but how did it change me in a way that serves me today? Um, so for instance, um, the partnership that I was in that um, where there was some betrayal and um, the end of it was really, um, it took me to kind of the darkest place that I've ever been and, and so forth. But when I think about the ways in which it changed me that serve me today, um, there are many of them. Um, but one of them is that we traveled, um, we traveled a lot and 
after our initial trip, I began to plan them all. I planned all the logistics and the the getting from place to place and the types of apartments and the types of locations. And I learned a tremendous amount about international travel and the way that I like to travel. And so when that relationship ended and it became time for me to travel solo, I knew how to do everything. Yeah, it's a different experience because you're not with another person, but all that I learned and experienced, I used to serve me now. I would never, I would never want to trade that, right? So it takes away the idea that because something ended in a way that you didn't expect or that was painful or that it ended at all, that what it was in any way, um, you know, regrettable. So I certainly don't really regret any of it, um, even though there were some tremendous challenges over the course of those years. Um, and then, you know, as you're looking at that meaning, how can I use the experience uh, for myself? Um, one of the examples, that's, that's the example I just gave you, but how can I use it to help other people? Um, and how did it bring me to where I am today? Um, those things I find to be incredibly important in terms of, you know, finding meaning, coaxing meaning, seeing the significance of something, and also recharacterizing it. So instead of labeling it as, you know, or, oh, the horror of something or something was terrible or tragic or, or awful or, or any of the words that we might use to describe it we can actually shift it into something meaningful. It's, it's your history. They're your memories. It's your past. You can do whatever you want with it. Truly, it's yours. Nobody remembers your past the way that you do. Nobody experienced your past the way that you did. It mainly lives in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart. So use it to your advantage. And if you find that it, it seems to be hurting you in some way, remember that it's yours and that you have the power to shift your perspective with regard to it. And learn, 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 learn from your challenges and use those lessons to help you in your present and know that when a future challenge presents itself, you can handle it. Sometimes going back and reminding yourself what you've done can be um, really, really helpful. One of the things that I did when I was getting off all of my anxiety medications, I, I talked about, you know, just basically cutting loose of all of my diagnoses, whether they were assigned to me by a medical professional or assigned to me uh, by myself and all the subsequent pharmaceuticals that were used to treat them, I decided that I was going to let go of those diagnoses. And I was also ready to let go of those pharmaceuticals. And it was not easy. I was uncomfortable in my body, mostly in my body, somewhat in my mind, but mostly in my body for mm, a couple of months, I'm going to say, um, at least there was probably 60 days or so where I went through withdrawal because I had multiple medications to get off of. And I did them in a kind of methodical fashion, one by one. I, I halved or, or um, put, put in thirds, cut in thirds or halves, depending upon what they were um, until they were eliminated. And then I moved on to the next one. 
And one of the things that I reminded myself while I was in the process of that was I said to myself, and I speak to myself in the you. So I said, you know, you kicked opioids by yourself. And yes, it was incredibly painful and incredibly challenging and, and very difficult. Um, and, and I did it right. And so I climbed that mountain and that helped me to remember the fortitude that I have when something is just pure challenge, where ultimately the only way through is through and you're in the tunnel, that tunnel that you go through to get from point A to point B to realize this, this change that you want, that you think you want. And in my case, I thought I wanted it and I wanted to try. I wanted to give it a full try. And in order to give it a full try, I had to stay in the tunnel, um, not make a U-turn and pop out in the light on the other side. And as I've done that, um, what I find really interesting, you know, after 13 years on medication, primarily for anxiety and insomnia, um, but they also had an antidepressant effect is that, um, you know, I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. And in fact, my anxiety is probably as, um, when I say is it's, it's as good as it's ever been. What I mean is that, um, it's as, it's rare. I, I don't, I just don't have a lot of anxiety anymore. Um, off of the medication, which is um, a really wonderful and pleasant surprise. Um, and the insomnia, listen, I'm working on that and I'm using that great app and I'm getting over six hours um, consistently every night. And so, you know, as with anything, y- you just keep on keeping on. Um, I stay in the tunnel and I know that there will be light uh, on the other side. And I also know that there'll be another tunnel um, and that I know what to do. Um, that I know what to do when I'm in it. Um, and so um, the last thing in terms of uh, releasing your past that I'm going to leave you with before we go to break is it's more than okay to forget. We forget so many things, right? The things that we remember are the things that we put energy toward remembering and that we feed in water and make strong. And so it's really okay to forget most particularly the painful stuff. If you've taken what you can from it and you've identified the meaning and you've taken the lessons and you've released um, any resentment that you might have and forgiven yourself, go on ahead and, you know, let it go and let it, let it um, drift into the past. You know, it could be that you, you simply don't need it anymore. All right, um, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, we will talk about our present and our future. You are listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. 
Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at GiraffeTangoOctopus.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Feeding for Humans. This is Kirsten Johansson, your host. And we're talking about the art of detachment and how to release your past, own your present, and trust your future. So we covered the past before the break, and uh, now we're going to cover our present and our future. So in the present, acceptance. Acceptance is key. Um, And in acceptance, what we do is we tell the compassionate truth. And just as a reminder, um, the compassionate truth is sort of the truth that a journalist would say. We don't add anything. We don't add hyperbole. We don't add a lot of adjectives. We simply say the thing. So let's say, um, let's say you are at odds. Let's say you're at odds uh, with somebody in your life um, and you've had a conflict and um, that person is not speaking to you right now. And that is painful. Um, one of the ways to say that would be, um, I got into a conflict with my sister. Um, she's not speaking to me. When my sister isn't speaking to me, I find it really painful and I miss her. And that's it. Um, so that is the compassionate truth. And that is acceptance of what is. Now, there are a variety of ways. We're not going to get into how to address that issue. Um, I know that, that that happens quite a lot to people, and it is quite painful, and there's a variety of ways to get at that. But the first step um, to accepting your present is just to accept the truth of it and to not zhuzh it up uh, with a bunch of narrative to make it into something that it isn't, because making it into something that it isn't and feeding the narrative and telling yourself things about you um, that potentially and most probably are not true can spin it up into something that becomes much more than it is and is harder to resolve. And in acceptance, I'm going to quote um, Sherry Huber, in acceptance, there is nothing to do. So this is one of the challenges of acceptance. 
Uh, we have a tendency as humans, I think, to want to do something to fix it and thinking in order to fix it, we must do something. Maybe and maybe not. Sometimes doing something and pushing on it and believing that we can control the outcome um, actually can not only make the situation worse, but it definitely can impact our peace. Um, so sometimes um, it is just accepting that what is is what is. Um, and and there's a variety of of things to accept. There are probably more things to accept um, than we have minutes in the day to talk about uh, yourself being first and foremost, simply accepting yourself and not putting pressure on yourself to be or do anything different or more than what you are in that moment um, can be a great sense of peace. And so um, you can say any number of things, there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay as you are. I accept you as you are. Everything is as it's meant to be. You're enough. You are worthy. There's any number of ways to um, make sure that you support yourself in that acceptance. You can accept the people in your life and and, you know, that is also sometimes very challenging to accept that people are what they are and who they are and that you will not change them. You will not. Um, and wanting to change them, trying to change them is a sure recipe um, for discomfort and for um, unhappiness, really, because you're pouring your energy into wishing someone or a situation to be different um, instead of accepting it as it is. Accepting your finances and telling the truth about them can actually free you. Sometimes the way that they are in your head and the way that they actually are can be very different. And so putting pen to paper and telling the truth about your financial situation uh, can free you from the jumble in your mind, it can also help you to know whether there is something that needs to be different um, in order to make you feel uh, better about that particular area of your, of your life, to make you feel more peaceful or to make you feel that it's aligned um, is probably a, a better way to say it. You can exercise acceptance at your job. Um, that can be incredibly important because ultimately, remember, the only thing you think or I guess we'll call it a thing that you really have agency over is yourself. And so you can adjust yourself in your job. You can adjust your mind, the way you think about it. You can adjust the way that you manage your emotions. You can adjust the way that you manage your time and your tasks and all of those things. But there's a great many things about your job, uh, your boss, the leadership, your colleagues, your direct reports that ultimately you cannot control the outcome of. Again, you can only adjust yourself and your own behavior um, and then step back and see what happens and collect that information to know what your next right step is. Um, and again, you can, you can accept your health. There's perhaps something going on with your body or with your health or as you age that is not something you expected or maybe it is creating a difference in the way that you move about the world, um, not classifying it as bad is pretty important. That's one of the things about acceptance is that you simply accept 
You don't actually have to assign it um, a label of good or bad, um, which again can be quite freeing. In the present, uh, the second step there is to set your intention. And so, you know, it is completely fine to have uh, goals and to have those goals be attached to accomplishments or achievements, but I would not assign that as your true north. Um, Those are more tasky. And ultimately, when we accomplish a a goal um, or achieve something, we have what's called hedonic immunity. And what that means is that it is shiny at first and it makes us sometimes, sometimes it doesn't do a thing for us, uh, but sometimes it makes us feel pretty great right at first. And then, you know, the shine wears off. That's part of being human. And so it's important to know that um, because if you don't know that, you can be on a bit of a hamster wheel of achievement um, and keep achieving and keep getting a little shot um, of good chemicals that that run through you. And you might be hoping that, you, that that's it, that you've reached uh, the there, that you've grabbed the brass ring. And in fact, there is no there and there is no brass ring. So when you're identifying a true north, I would suggest something like accepting yourself exactly as you are, um, that you are worthy, that you are enough, or as last week's guest CK Collins said, more than enough. Um, whatever your kind of core truth is, the core truth that you might not be feeling it day to day and you might not be practicing it day to day, but you have a sense that it's what you want for yourself. That would be your true north and your intention. And then um, similarly to what I mentioned about the past and, and other people, it is incredibly important to let go of outcome. Um, humans really like to feel like we're in control and most particularly like we're in control of an outcome. And even when things go exactly as planned and exactly as you want them to, there's a certain magic to that. Um, they can't necessarily be harnessed for every situation. Now you have may have done an incredible amount of work in order to get that outcome to occur. And so I'm in no way saying, don't do anything or don't try or don't think through the steps that you need to take to get from point A to point B. Absolutely. We all need to do that. And we do need to let go of outcome, let go of the stranglehold that we have on it and uh, hold it in an open hand because when things don't go as planned or as desired and we accept them, you know, we don't denounce them or deny them or push them away or characterize them as a failure, which can really failure and success. I, I feel are really misnomers because everything is an experience, right? And so if we accept them and we're open to what we're meant to learn, there is always information flowing toward you that is filled with lessons and opportunities. Whereas if we classify something as a failure and we feel embarrassed about it or bad about it, or we want to hide it, or we don't want to think about it, we shut ourselves off from all that we might have learned from it or, or the next place that it might take us. You know, I think about one of my mentors and he was an entrepreneur and, you know, was a self-made man and, 
and realized a, a tremendous amount of success. And in, in doing so, he did have a great many things that he tried that didn't work out. But on balance, it was about the net result. On balance, there were many things that did work out and that did provide um, the trappings, the trappings, you know, that we all kind of assign to success, but it also, you know, I just saw this sort of energy and um, this motivation to, to continue that both provide both the things that go the way we want them to, and that bring us the trappings that we identify as success and the things that don't um, are their, their motivators. Um, there's so much to be gained from, from both types of experiences. Um, number four is to use humility to play big. So being humble or being in humility does not mean being small. Um, and I really, I didn't understand that. I scored really low on humility when I was doing the science of well-being and um, I was understanding my top skills because one of the ways that we all can achieve happiness is to make sure that we use our top skills every single day. Uh, so my top, top skill is honesty. So I do um, try to ensure that I'm always using that. And what I scored really low on was humility. And I thought, oh my God, I just, I felt kind of embarrassed about it. Like, ew, like I'm not a humble person. Like what's wrong with me? Well, that is not the point. Okay. That's not the point of doing one of those inventories. Um, but I, it, what it did cause me to do is to dig into it and to try to understand why that was sort of last on the list. And once I understood really what humility is, which as I've just been talking about, it is, it is letting go of outcome. Um, it's, it's understanding, um, where our power and influence actually lies, which is within ourselves and with our top skills and with our talents and, and what we hear, what we are here to uniquely contribute, that's really where it lies. And then playing big, like showing up and putting something out there, um, ultimately, m- mostly to be of service to other people, because that's really part of the universal flow um, of humanity. And knowing that that universal flow whatever you believe, whether you believe in a God or multiple gods or higher power or, you know, a universal law or flow, whatever your belief is, so long as you understand that there is something greater than you and that you are part of that flow and that what you have to contribute is important and that you do not need to be attached in any way with how it's received ultimately, or what the final outcome is, it frees you to really put yourself out there and to create whatever that is um, in such a way that you can um, live your purpose and and do something here on earth that um, does help other people and does make you feel as though you are living your authentic life. And the fifth, in terms of owning your present, is to take action. Um, if you want something to be different, you want to learn something new. Um, it's not just about discipline. We talked about the difference between discipline and devotion with Eric Maisel. And there is a, there's something about devotion. Um, discipline's great and it's super useful, but there's something about devotion that 
comes to comes to to play and keeps you moving forward and keeps your momentum going when discipline might you know sometimes we get tired of that but when we're devoted to something um that really can um be in some ways a true north um or something that we can attach to our true north right if i am devoted to my true north um accepting myself exactly as i am and spreading the word about the magical nature of that and the transformative nature of that if i'm devoted to that um then it then it comes up in most everything i do and brings me purpose and helps me to stay active um in terms of sharing that with other people so those are the steps um of using detachment to own your present and you know it is true that the present moment really is the only real moment and the only thing that we truly have and unless this is it uh unless this is your last day or your last moment there is also a future um and sometimes the future and the unknown of the future uh brings us fear which is number 1 in terms of trusting your future and that is to let go of fear fear is typically manufactured by self hate to convince you that you aren't enough um or you shouldn't try that new thing or you shouldn't stretch toward that big goal or desire um but if you're not in actual danger true danger um then what is the point what is the point of fear what is it here for and is it serving you those are some questions to ask you, yourself when you feel the pit in your stomach and you feel anxious and you feel feel fearful about something if you're not actually in danger ask yourself some questions about what that fear is and what it's doing there um and because so, just as our thoughts can intervene to create a narrative to explain a strong emotion which then gives that emotion more credence and sometimes makes it sticky you can harness that same power the power of your thoughts to question fear and call bs on it and send it packing since i since i understood the interaction between fear and self-hate ultimately i have been able so many times when i have found myself feeling fearful to ask myself those questions and to simply call bs and send it away because i knew that it was not there for me it was not really there to do anything for me it was there to take something away from me or to make me feel less or to you know sap my energy or my power um so for the future in addition to shooing away fear when it has no utility to you do keep your eye on the prize and so i'm i'm returning to the true north and this is the reason why the true north should not necessarily be an achievement oriented goal feel free to make as many achievement oriented goals as you want but a true north is really about the way you feel about yourself the way you experience life the way you feel in the morning when you wake up and you walk into your day the way you feel at night when you get into bed and you might reflect on your day 
um, what happens when something challenging arises, what happens when you are faced with something painful or a loss. Your true north is the thing that you return to as your anchor, as your fail safe, as your safety net. So align yourself with that in terms of the future. So centering something like self-acceptance, self-love, unconditional compassion for self will bring you back to center and it will immediately remind you that you can trust yourself with any decision as long as your true self is centered and you want the best for yourself and you love, like, and respect yourself, then whatever decision you make, the outcome of it doesn't matter, okay? Because you're going to make the best possible decision for yourself at that moment, at that time. And that's all, that's all that needs to happen. Your next right step is all that needs to happen. Third, um, and I've talked about the universal flow, stay in the universal flow. When you view yourself in relationship to others and you see that you have a place in the flow, you can, you can relax, right? It's okay. Yes, I, I have an existential crisis about once a day. Yes, I do. But I return to, you know, the, what am I here for and what am I doing and what it's, what's it all for? And is it all just a crazy science experiment? I've been an existentialist since I was a kid. And so, yes, that, that comes and visits me. Um, but I, I stay in the universal flow. I align with my true north. And then I stay in the universal flow and remind myself that, you know, I have an important place in the universal flow. I have something unique and important to contribute. Um, and that's what I'm here for. And then I move on um, and don't stay there for too long and remind yourself of something that I've, I've just taken um, from this, this wonderful book I'm reading, um, which I'm, I reached out to her. And so I'm going to see if she'll come on the show and then I'll talk to you more about the book. But ultimately she just introduces this concept that, you know, everything is really unlimited. It's unlimited. And l- the limits that we experience are typically self-imposed. So love, opportunities, money, fun, enjoyment, unlimited. So when you're feeling kind of hemmed in, remind yourself, unlimited, unlimited. Um, tell, the, tell the truth. Uh, be honest with yourself about your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and your beliefs. Um, and be accountable for those, right? Those all belong to you and you're accountable. Um, and then be honest with other people. Um, which sometimes means silence. Um, so sometimes um, telling someone the truth as you see it has no, there's nothing positive that comes from that. So I practice the pause when somebody's talking about something or experiencing something and I, I have an opposing viewpoint or a different perspective. I really keep my spidey sense open um, because what I'm trying to do is determine is saying this thing going to be helpful to them? Because saying the thing is not more important um, than than being there for that other person, right? So tell the truth um, to yourself and about yourself. Be honest with other people. And when it's about helping the other person, using honesty to help the other person, which, you know, as as coaches and, you know, people in our families and, you know, maybe a sounding board for a friend, sometimes it's okay to just be silent 
and um, say, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, and nod, because giving them the the alternate perspective is maybe not going to feel particularly supportive, even if it is the truth as you see it. Um, and then the last thing that I want to leave you with, it's again, this it's a concept from a book that I, I read recently is to, um, it seems simple enough, but it's actually kind of, um, it's kind of a game changer. Enjoy whatever you're doing. Enjoy whatever you're doing. Um, so this is, this is to me, it's kind of the grand finale of it all. Um, you know, have you ever been doing something and you're just miserable doing it? Like I said to my mom the other day, I despise yard work. I despise it. I despise pulling weeds and, and all that stuff. And, you know, true, not my top number one, um, activity, but here's what adds to that misery, misery, telling myself that I despise yard work and pulling weeds. Um, so, you know, the way that you talk to yourself is incredibly important and you do have the power within you to enjoy what you're doing, even if it's something that is not sort of on your list of the things that you love to do. Um, and if you run into a situation where you're using all your tools and you're unable to shift your perspective and enjoy what you're doing, I would, I would say, ask yourself some questions. Where am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? What am I spending? What am I earning? And is this for me? Um, that last one is something that I ask often when I'm feeling uncomfortable or like something isn't right or I'm sad or I'm angry or I feel like I may be losing my temper a little bit. I say, is this for me? And whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's food or a person or a relationship or or a job or, or whatever. Sometimes it's just not for me. And that's when I know that, okay, it's time to take action and make a change. All right. That's all we have time for today. I hope you have heard something that is helpful to you. Um, I love making the show for you and um, you can find me at giraffeoftangooctopus.com and across social media at GTO coaching. And you can drop me an email at coach KJ at giraffetangooctopus.com. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango. Tango.